0: Welcome to the My Own Boss Instagram project. I'm Julie Porter. You hear me say this I think every week, but every week I just kind of sit back and pinch myself because I'm so lucky to be talking to all these amazing women. This week. We're talking to Rebecca Weston of Red Barn Engineering. And as you might suspect from the title, it's an engineering firm specializing in civil engineering. I want you to think about it. How many civil engineers do you know that are women? Yeah, bet zero. I know that Rebecca was the first female civil engineer I'd ever met, and she's a total inspiration. Um, She's studied subjects that aren't necessarily popular. She excelled at them. And then um, not only did she go into a field dominated by men, 6% women in civil engineering in the area she's in, Cajones to open up her own firm, which I think is awesome. And uh, she's she's got great plans and she's been in business for a little over two years and is scaling out and has, like I say, great plans, big plans. And she's also you know, coming up with ways that are unique to the industry. They've never been done before to streamline some of the processes. I love the way her mind works, she's a busy woman, she's got two small boys, and still is uh, juggling the growth, the, her plans, and moving forward. Total inspiration. Enjoy our talk. Tell me, you're in an industry that is totally dominated by men. Like, What do you think, Rebecca, the percentages of women in your industry are? Civil engineering. And is that the complete title, or fill me in a little bit on the detail. What exactly?
1: Well, civil engineering is a very broad mm-hmm. area. It has a lot of different areas underneath of it, right. including sometimes you'll have environmental services right. which are more nurturing, which you see more of, a, of a women wanting to be in more of a nurturing mm-hmm. role. And then you have the all the way to construction management where sure. you're watching how concrete is getting poured mm-hmm. and you're, it's very heavy contractor-oriented, mm-hmm. which is very male-dominated. Um, so in the civil engineering field, um, generally speaking, it's a it's about six percent of women mm-hmm. are in civil engineering, and when you get more into the environmental basis, you're looking more of around um, civil plus more of a environmental might be at fifteen percent okay. of women being in that field. It's still too small. It's still very small, yeah. and um, it's. We're always trying to find ways to encourage women to go against maybe what is the tradition of that, you know, a male has a better quantitative perspective on life. And
0: personally, I think that
1: women know how to multitask.
0: Right? And okay, and I'm going to throw in an aside right here that um, Rebecca is a mom with two very active young boys. And, uh, and she's uh, running this business, which um, it's you're still in the startup stages, although you've been in business for a couple of years, taking your you know personal practice at other places and bringing it here and starting this and doing an awesome job so you do know how to multitask <laughs> you're good at it
1: yeah but i think with any career when a woman chooses a career that relies on multitasking mm-hmm then the playing fields actually would be more tipped towards women performing better. Mm -hmm. There's actually a lot of statistics that say that women perform better at multitasking. I've heard that. And so when you're looking at mixing a a quantified or a very technical area along with business, which is essentially what a civil engineer is, Mm -hmm. it would tend to be more lending itself to you know, women being better at the job than men would be if you
0: were to look just at statistics. That makes sense. So when you were younger, and I feel it in a lot of ways, there's that whole idea among young girls and particularly like when you're going through grade school and getting older, where even though everybody knows better and it's not PC to say it, but it's that whole girl in brain things, we get a lot of positive reinforcement, but there's still a big divide between women who are going into, I'm going to call them touchy feely, but I totally support it because I'm all there too, but in the hard sciences. And um, it seems like that whole idea that I'm no good at math, I'm no good at, I run into it because um, women a lot of times tell me, I don't understand the business side, I can't do it, I can't do it, because somewhere they've been told that, that they can't do it. How did you overcome that?
1: Well, from a very young age, I was brilliant mm-hmm. in mathematics mm-hmm. and like always the top. I wish I'd sat next to you. you. Know, um <laughs> And, you know, like, just gone in cold to a math contest and won uh-huh. seventh in the state, you know, nice. and had yeah. no idea that people studied for that. Uh-huh. Oh, you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's cool.
1: You know, acing the ACT, yeah. you know, having no problem really getting a math degree. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until sure. I was challenged at grad school. Um, And to be honest, um, there's a little bit of when there's, I would say that there's a general classification of people, Mm -hmm. being that some are, you don't have to be a math wizard to be an engineer. Right. You know, you have to be competent and you have to have a desire to do it, but Mm -hmm. you don't have to be a math wizard to be an engineer. A detailed person
0: more? Or I think what, you have, what are the
1: skills? I think if you have strong algebra one and algebra two uh-huh. skills and you make it through calculus, uh-huh. you'd be a fine engineer. Uh-huh. It really is it comes down to are you passionate about it? Do uh-huh. you wanna build something? Uh-huh. Do you wanna see it built? Do you wanna do you cool. wanna do you wanna quantify something? Like an electrical engineer does a lot more calculations uh-huh. and they don't see everything built like a civil does. We get we are so our field of engineering is so lucky because we see these structures go up and i can go all around seattle and say that sidewalk was my sidewalk <laughs> that's <laughs> and, awesome you know
0: that is so cool you know and i yeah. was
1: watching um what was it the one year top chef and they were mm-hmm. filmed down, downtown at mm-hmm. you know Olive eight and i was right. like and there's this there's the flow line that i did you know <laughs> that's and cool. so you know those yeah. kind of things um sure. is nice as the civil gets to see what's built but there's a lot of like Actuarial science yeah. and that kind of things where you'd never see it built. It's mm-hmm. just completely numbers or
0: statistics that you're dealing with. But I was part of that, and that's big. Mm-hmm. Because in a in an economy that's service-oriented, it's like, what can you do? I waited on Tom Hanks, or you'd, you'd be more like a celebrity setting rather than I did that, I created that, where you've got something hard to say, I did that. That's a noble kind of work, I think, when you've got something tangible there.
1: There might be a lot of business decisions behind it. Mm-hmm. I used to tell people um, when I design like a sidewalk,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and at every door that you walk out of, you cannot have the slope of the sidewalk be too much that it would twist your ankle. Sure. Uh, and there's very strict regulations on what that slope can be. Mm-hmm. And so I used to tell people for every spot elevation, that's what it needs to be from the door to the curb. Mm-hmm. Each one of the spot elevations or my calculations each one of these points is worth $30,000 to the owner and then it changes your perspective yeah, to think sure. how much am I doing and how accurate do I need to be in a few instances mm-hmm. because you have to be terribly accurate and you can't have a bad day or a right. bad moment right. or somebody's gonna get sued or somebody's gonna get right. hurt Right. and when I was first starting my career in civil engineering I read a news article in one of the engineering magazines about a lawsuit that got settled. Uh And it was a woman walking down the street. She went to go around a mud puddle, and she slipped and fell, and a car hit her. And the amount of money that that lawsuit settled for, and the amount that that engineer lost his license for because there was a puddle on the street.
0: Oh wow! And so
1: every time you're walking around and you see a puddle, just know that that's a liability for a stormwater engineer. Oh wow! Yeah. And I take my job very serious. Sure. Like seriously, to have like no pond. Yeah.
0: i th- okay. I'm thinking um, where I lived um, for a while over at North Creek, there was a tr- a trail that I used to run down all the time, and it had at the end of a slope where bicycles rode, it had a, a bump. And um, I remember now a gentleman went down that and he hit the bumper, there was something that was put there. And um, I mean, it was part of a construction thing. It was finished and he went flying and broke his neck and he was alive, but um, I, I remember thinking and, and then hearing about the design of that and how flawed it was and there were going to be lawsuits. So totally, yeah. When you think about it, we just look at it and go, oh, that's not that big a deal. But when you take that slope, to me as a runner, is no big deal with that bump, but to a bicyclist and all the things that you have to think about, it's amazing.
1: Well, even just coming around a corner, Uh the radius that I'm going to put on that corner Mm -hmm. is hooked to an analysis if a car goes too slow or too fast around the corner mm-hmm. and doesn't see a bicycle because it didn't have visibility right it comes back on what how did that radius get placed got and how it. is that line of sight actually being done oh, and i'm it. actually liable for everything right. for sight of vision on every single job that i'm doing for a vehicle to a pedestrian
0: huge responsibility
1: yeah, yeah, and so yeah. there's this little, there's an element of how detailed mm-hmm. can you get and mm-hmm. for how long. Right, right. You know, and do you have the discipline that it takes? Mm-hmm. A lot of engineers have problems, what I call, with closing a job out. Mm-hmm. And that's, you stay detailed all the way through to the end. Right. And that's in construction. Right. And you have to know where to set what I call hold points like, okay, the contractor's going to be pouring the concrete. I wanna see all the strings out there to make sure all the slopes are right before I get there. Mm-hmm. If there's any two strings that don't match, meaning that there's a bust in the elevations, I need to know about that because I couldn't be liable right. for whether or not that slope actually got built. Right. And I can only be as accurate as a survey can be, but right. when you when you're talking about ripping a site open, the survey's there for as it is the day the person buys the property. The Mm -hmm. contractor comes in, they demolish the building, they grade the whole site. Now nothing on that survey is what I originally designed. Sure. And so there's always this movement of what was it before, what is it going to be as it evolves and is that going to stay true or am I going to have to adjust things? There's a lot, too, that we have on our plate with, as a civil engineer, with competing interests. Like, I'm bringing in a new job, and I have no idea that there's going to be a landslide on another job. Oh, right. And so scheduling, you have to be able to multitask, Mm -hmm. because you have to keep the business going. But at the same time, you're going to have these huge
0: issues that you have Mm -hmm. to deal with. Challenging and rewarding, because, I mean, challenging because of all the detail, and then rewarding when you nail it. I mean, there's that little fist pump. Yes, I did that job. Like you say, you know, you can look Mm -hmm. at it and know you did a good job with it.
1: Well, and to me, when I say I nailed it, Mm -hmm. it's more the fact that are all of my clients happy Yes. and all of my designs compliant? Mm-hmm. Is everything handled at this moment? Mm-hmm. And as a civil, you might be handling a 100 things at a time. Right. And you have to say, is everybody happy? Is everybody happy? Right. You know, yes. And you're just sort yeah. of like going Our down station. this line. <laughs> yes. is, there, is everybody happy? <laughs> right. Okay, moving on. Okay, right. everybody happy right. and you're moving on, right. you know? And sometimes there's
0: just so many variables of things Yes. Yeah. I have a client who actually has a move board we put on their wall. For any client who's marginally unhappy, they go up on that board and it's like, okay, we're coddling that person until we get back to that happy place and we can take them off. Because it is all about that, and when you've got so many, that you're trying to manage, that's, you know, you're taking the temperature every all the time. And that's good, that's, that's the business side of it. So there's civil engineering, and you took that degree and your ability and your passion for it, and you turn it into your own practice where you have employees working for you, you've got a large office, and you're doing government contracts and residential and commercial and all kinds of different things as you try to scale out, which is amazing.
1: And trying to keep everybody happy at the same time, exactly. You know? And so it's really hard that, um, and the the outside world doesn't often understand um, maybe the different decisions that I'm having to make in one day, and why mm-hmm. like oh your project's going to be a day late, right? You know because a bridge fell in yesterday. Right.
0: You right. know, and right. I can't have... Which you did not have any control over.
1: I had no idea or, that the bridge was going right. to collapse, but right. I do have to make sure that the signs are out there right and that the sure. that it's closed properly and sure. that all the paperwork's done yeah. on that. And that's not anything that I can necessarily control. Right. right. So right. I try to be as good with my deadlines as possible, but people right. will often say, well, civils can't often keep a schedule. And on... Projects where there's not a hard deadline, mm-hmm. we have to play
0: the game of what is the best choice for me, mm-hmm. for the world, mm-hmm. to make next. Right, right. Because there are safety issues at stake with, you know, all the outside, and you have to be reactive. It's not just proactive; it's mm-hmm. reactive as well.
1: And we don't have an unlimited supply. <laughs> right, right.
0: Yeah. What were the biggest influences on you as you got started, well, or no, way back when you were deciding well, what you want to do? What influenced well, you here?
1: I will say probably. Um, I explored a lot mm-hmm. um, because I'm so quantitative, but yet I'm s- love business management. Right, I wanted to be an in international business at one point uh-huh. in my career, um, and then I also trained like a, that. I wanted to be a, a concert pianist for 12 years. Wow! And so I, when I reached my last year of piano lessons under a very esteemed um, piano teacher. He said to me, well, if you're really good at math, you should do, go do something with that instead. But up until that point, I was applying to do mm-hmm. music programs wow. and do piano performance and yeah. composition. Um, and so... That, There's a math to that. And so there was, a, there was a change of, well, I don't really know what I should do with mm-hmm. a strong math background. Um, and so... But looking back on it, if I knew that I was just strong in math... Mm-hmm. And um, it comes back to working with a grandfather that owned his own business mm-hmm. in the demolition world. Oh, okay. And the fact that I would light up every time a big bulldozer came yeah. home. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was out on the sites while he was making, grading the golf courses that yeah. he was doing. Or, And then one day, his I, we lived on a farm. That's where Red Barn comes from. Mm-hmm. And we my grandparents and... Our family lived literally 100 yards away from each uh-huh. other, and their phone used to ring up at our house in case, because they would go to winter for the sure. Florida, because it was so cold. Oh, yeah. So, and you're not doing a lot of demolition, you know, in three feet of snow. So <laughs> uh, so his phone rang up at our house one afternoon, I was waiting for my grandma to come back. And I was six, and I could barely write. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, I'll get this call for him. (laughs) And um, it was a person wanting to hire him to tear down a building for Mm $10,000. And I said, well, you know, I'm watching him more than you are, because I can't wait till they come home. And I'll take the message, and I'll run right up there and give it to him the minute he gets in the door. (laughs) And so he said, okay. And so I wrote that down the minute they came home, ran up, gave Uh it to him, said, call this guy. And later that evening, he said, "You know what? The guy was going to call the next person right. if I didn't pick up the phone." And it yeah. was before answering machines. Wow! Yeah, you know. And so, yeah, I took the call. He made ten thousand dollars. Yes, yeah. he, he <laughs> took me out and said, "Pick out whatever dress you want." In the oh, mall. Nice. Well, they're supportive <laughs> affirmation. But it was yeah. my first time at hearing how responsiveness. Sure. Is probably the number one thing to business or to... Oh, my God, yes. Uh, to understanding, yes. like, um, how I'm growing Red Barn. Right. The number one thing
0: we're going to be is responsive. It, it, cracks, it cracks me up, and it sort of makes me feel... It puts my ego in check, I'm not going to lie, is that I get a lot of people because they'll say, I hired you because you answered your phone, <laughs> or you answered an email within a reasonable amount of time when they're out there trying to find people. And I pick up the phone all you know all the time unless it's you know a weird number, but um, or I answer my emails. I try to get to them within two hours, because I just know that you know I have a better chance at that. But like I say, it keeps your ego in check. It's not just me; it's just unprompt. prompt. But you've got it nailed right there. It's responsiveness, yeah. And then being damn good at your job, which you are. I mean, I, plus I you know and I don't want to take up too much time, but you've kind of developed a, a streamlining method for doing um, permitting, right? Mm -hmm. Which is it's um, what's the word innovative, and you you know you're going to be it on that, which I think is awesome. You know, it's how your brain works, and I think as a mom and as a woman, our our brains really work on that efficiency mode, and so you broke it down to be the most efficient, and it's going to benefit your company.
1: Yeah, I'm being very innovative in um, how we're doing permitting, Mm -hmm. everything from the minute a client calls us to getting the project out the door Mm -hmm. is set with reason. Mm -hmm. And a lot of um, firms take the project in, schedule how it's going to get done, and then the work goes out the door. But we actually have checkpoints, and I'm making the checklists on when a client comes in the door, this is what we're going to do. And these are the five things being, how to be responsive. Right. It's one thing to say, be responsive, but what does that actually mean? You know, and how many minutes? How many minutes do you have to actually respond? Right. There's times where I'm going after a big municipal job. Mm -hmm. The job posting goes out, and I know I literally have eight hours Uh to get on a team. You know, Mm -hmm. and so there is no wait time on that. And so, even when um, a client calls, like if I don't answer within 24 hours, then then I get deemed unresponsive, and I'm not going to get a good rating on that. Yeah. And so, um, I always so. And The other thing is, is setting up meetings. Sometimes you have to coordinate. Mm-hmm. So I have it in my thing that at the time a client says we're going to have a meeting, then our staff within the hour should have a meeting invite up on Microsoft Outlook you to the, the, the team. Your staff that way, yeah. You know, yeah. and so we have like... Methods on how do we appear to be responsive Mm -hmm.
0: even when we're busy. So, you got a small thing, you created Mm -hmm. systems to handle all that. And I love systems. I mean, it gives somebody that guideline this is what responsive, how do you answer the phone, or how do you do that? Because you're presenting that professional appearance, um, which is great. You know, because you're doing so many cool things, and as I say, you're a successful female in a field that's predominantly male. What kind of um, guidance, or you know, for for that young girl who is interested in math, and uh, or just thinks math is okay, what what would you tell them? Well, I would say that math is always your complement. Mm-hmm.
1: You have to find the thing that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Developing your math skills only puts you at the top of the field. So because I have had such strong mathematics background doesn't mean that I needed to be a mathematician. Right. It means that I needed to go out and find a complement. Where could I dominate with because I'm so mathematical? Ah. And so one year in grad school, my advisor, I wanted to, I had already, you know, had an offer to work for the National Security Agency doing coding and cryptology, Uh which is very just 100% math. And um, he said, well, you have to go out and try other areas. And I said, oh, I don't know if I really want to do that. Uh And he sent me out to do environmental problems. And the whole environmental department said, pick me, pick me, pick me. You know, because of the math background that I had. And so, but then what I realized, you know, now, you know. It opened doors. Ten years later. Yeah. Is that math is a compliment because Mm -hmm. it's very rare that a woman is going to choose to get a Ph.D. in math just because. Um. There, that's a lifestyle choice that's mm-hmm. a choice to be a professor in mathematics and just very yes. few people are going to yeah. choose that but a lot of women are so strong in math mm-hmm. but they have to find the complement of right. what it's going to go with is it right. going to be accounting is it going to be business or sure. where are you going to take that math right. that you're so strong in right and apply it and that's really your whole task mm-hmm. if you have a strong mathematical mind where do you want to apply it? Right, right. You know, and some people apply it in, you know, in, t- in the teaching curriculums. Mm-hmm. Like my mom was a teacher, has a brilliant mathematical right. mind. She was a first grade teacher. Right. But her classroom was so organized and oh, so yeah. well done. Sure. All the time. Yeah. So what I would say mm-hmm. is get your math skills as good as you possibly can right. get them. Right. Because it helps you organize, it helps mm-hmm. you think through things logically. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest way to teach
0: logic. Right.
1: That's why they have math. Oh, that's a
0: good point, yes.
1: They yeah. don't teach math because they want you to be good at algebra. They teach math right. because they want your brain to be able to deduct mm-hmm. what should be my next step What's without yes. somebody telling you. Right. That's the oh, whole reason right. why yes. it's there. Right. So pick a compliment. What uh-huh. what is what should I do with mm-hmm. this strong math background? You know, and being a chemist, being, you know, in cancer treatments, getting your PhD in chemistry. Right.
0: Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Wherever you want to go. Right. And it's, it's not just, I, I like the idea that, that you, you make it more real at, at a, a different level when you say it's the skills, it's the problem-solving skills or the logic skills, that sort of thing from math, because you know, you'll hear people say, I don't, I'm never going to need to use algebra in real life, but you are learning that skill that you've got in algebra in real life every day.
1: It's harder to teach you, teach somebody logic. Right. Because logic is if this happens, right, exactly. then this will happen. Yep. And when you get deep into logic classes, mm-hmm. like that's how the insides of computers work. Right, right. You know, and so is everybody going to be a computer scientist? That's taking it to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. But yeah. most people, the most general
0: public can do algebra.
1: Right. And it still right. has logic in it. It's exactly. Just, it's just at a level that's a
0: little easier. It's, it's hidden. You're just learning that you can take the problem to the next step or solve it. And, and
1: yeah, having taught math for many years, uh-huh. um, the number one thing I think as a, that young women can do mm-hmm. or even young people in mathematics mm-hmm. is don't let someone tell you what the next step is after like if you're given a problem you have to get to step two yourself right if you get someone else tell you what the next step is right that's like having someone tell you what you're going to do in life right you know and so you have all these skills that were given to you Mm -hmm. to use on this earth Mm -hmm. it's up to you to take step two right Right. You write your own story, you know, and so, yeah. but if you ever, never feel like you have the freedom to take step two, uh-huh. and that's what our educational programs, you know, that are surrounded around getting us ready to go out into the workforce, right, is around getting you ready for step two. Mm-hmm. You know, and mathematics only helps because there's always a step two in a problem, there's right. always a deduction. Right. And then you have to look at your own life and say, How am I gonna deduct a step two with everything I have now? What right. are my variables?
0: You I know? like that approaching it from the math standpoint. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, um you mentioned earlier, you know, that you had some things that you wanted to do, um, speaking. What well, what does that look like for you? Your audience and what you'd like to cover?
1: I'd like to, since I taught high school math, and when I was teaching high school math, a lot of high school students already have an idea of what they want to do or Mm -hmm. where they want to go at college. But a lot of times, junior high students are sort of left in this mix of not even knowing what to expect Mm -hmm. from high school or or what to have, what they need out of high school Mm -hmm. to get to where they want to go. Right. And I feel like the formation of what could you possibly do as a career choice should be looked at in junior high so that you can get the most out of high school and prepare yourself oh, good point. Yeah. for four years right. on what you right. want to do. Like, right. do you want to do something technical in mm-hmm. mathematics? Because you might want to mm-hmm. set your schedule such that you're getting the skills you need. Right. A lot of times our programs are just so focused on where am I at. They're mm-hmm. not focused on what do I need mm-hmm. to do, the occupation I want to do, or right. what I'm passionate about. Right. And I feel like then the STEM sciences, and STEM. I feel like if I knew I was so brilliant at mathematics and I was asking my mom, can't I just go over to the high school and take the classes? And she right. said, No, you have to be a social eighth grader, you have to be a social seventh grader. I'm like, But I really just wanna want be go social take the math classes yeah. in the high yeah. school. Because junior high sucks all I'm around. Already out, yeah. I already worked through the whole book. Right. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> and so, um You know, knowing that, okay, you have interest in mathematics, what can you do Mm -hmm. to get your, you know, your curriculum geared to what you need it to be? You know, and it's not just about a test. It's about what are these experiences, you know, that I'm going to do in high school. Like, am I going to need to volunteer at a hospital because I want to be a doctor? Do I really want to, where do Mm -hmm. I want to see math applied as a doctor? What is the logic that a a doctor is using?
0: I see you, too, as um, talking to the the young gals at that age level as an inspiration of what you can do Mm -hmm. with it. Because, you know, and there's so many different options. And just, you know, you can light that spark. And I just totally see you doing that. My favorite
1: example to use is in mathematics is if a surgeon opened up a patient to do a surgery and he saw something different, mm-hmm. should he stitch him back up and say, oh, I didn't learn that in my class? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you would hope that yeah. he's got logic right, right. <laughs> to deal with something that he hadn't seen in right. his class and right. know how to deal with yes, it.
0: exactly. You know, and yeah. so,
1: um, so I feel like with junior high women in particular mm-hmm. it should be about what do i need mm-hmm. to get yeah to at least
0: land on the map right. of where i want to go right but yeah you're giving them something outside of the school curriculum or what's in their classroom which a lot of it you know is you know a lot of honestly is taught to test or taught to just a certain thing but it's not getting them to think bigger and you want them to start thinking big as soon as you can and i i just see you Helping them get a bigger picture of what's out there for them.
1: Well, and I think another thing I struggled with growing up that I would have changed if I had to do it differently is when when I was just got out of college, uh, my dad said, well, I needed a car. I didn't have a car. Mm -hmm. And my dad said, well, what color of a car would you like? And I said, I don't really care. (laughs) What? (laughs) I said, I don't care. I don't care what color the car is. I just need a car, Dad. You know? Uh But... It's okay to be opinionated. Sure. And I think another thing that I would say to a junior high student is have an opinion about your life. Right. Have an opinion about what you need. Right. You know, is it that you don't want to have, you know, contamination going down rivers?
0: Uh Uh-huh. You know? Oh, yeah. Very good.
1: You may not want that. Right. But maybe that's the thing in this earth that attaches you to it. And you Mm -hmm. say, you know what? This is gonna be my piece that I leave right when I'm right. at the end of my life is that I tackled contamination in streams. Right. right. Or maybe I tackled fish depletions mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. having enough fish. Right. You know, or maybe I tackled you know, water usage, or maybe I tackled um, making sure that more checks are done on structural foundation plans so sure. that structures aren't failing in earthquakes. It's
0: a purpose. You know. You know, just finding that purpose, I think that's so important. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So ah. I think just yeah. having an
1: opinion. Yeah. Don't you shouldn't look at yourself and say I shouldn't have opinions. Mm-hmm. You should look at yourself and say I'm glad I have opinions. Mm-hmm. And even in this day and age when politics is so split. Right. The one thing I'm thankful for mm-hmm. is that people have opinions. Yes. It's what attaches them to Earth. Whether it's right. right, whether it's wrong, whether you have a difference of opinion. Right. It's what attaches that person to Earth. Right. And it what's it makes our whole like our nation stretch and pull. Mm-hmm. And it's, but yeah, at the same time, it makes it come together because you have people having a purpose mm-hmm. or having a, a say in life.
0: Yes, and they're acting on their opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for taking the time. I so appreciate it, and uh, wow. it's been really it's been great watching the journey and watching you multitask your way to success. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Julie. Okay. Yeah. so
1: much for listening to My Own Boss Podcast. For more information, you can visit us at
0: myownboss.com or you can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at My Own